Hello and welcome. We're going to be looking at the study Revealing God's Character. We're going to try to understand who God really is in character. This will help us to have a better work with Him and it will give us a more enjoyable and loving relationship with God. You see, many Christians, they, they have a double-mindedness about who God is. One At one point, He is a loving Father. At another point, He is an angry God. At another point, He is tempting you. At another point, He is blessing you. At one point, He is destroying. And at another point, He is giving life. So how can all these be the same God. So we're going to understand if all of this is really God or if there has been error in all those beliefs. So come with me to Luke chapter 27, Luke chapter 24 verse 27. So we back up from verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Reading from the Message Bible, the same place, starting from 25, then he said to them, So thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe what the prophets said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. Hallelujah. <coughs> so, we find that in the scriptures there are things that refer to Christ and there are things that do not refer to Christ. So, it will take the Spirit of God to be able to differentiate between Christ, between man, and between the devil. Uh, Timothy, when Paul was writing to him, he said, As a workman that he did not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you have to be able to divide, to cut across everything that you have read and be able to separate when he's talking about God, when he's talking about the devil, when he's talking about man. So we find in the scriptures that there are characters of, of men being exhibited there that have been written. There, there is the works of the devil there. And then there is the work of God. So it takes the Spirit of God to be able to discern between all of this. James chapter 1, verse 15, uh, verse 5. So uh, I want to make a note here that every scripture that I'll be reading in this uh, study is coming from the King James Version, except otherwise noted. So James chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 5. And it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraided not, and it shall be given him. Let's go down to verse 12. We'll start from verse 12. Blessed is the man that enjoyeth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Thirteen, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. 
Then when loss had conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Verse 16, do not err, my beloved brethren. So there, you see that there is a tendency to err when it comes to temptation. <coughs> because God gives the, gives the crown or gives the reward when, when you come out of temptation does not mean he is the one bringing the temptation. So if you go for that, you now see where temptation comes from. So that is why the, the scripture is telling you in verse 16, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Now, who is Christ? Christ is the name given to a person that sums up all of God's promises. Christ is the express image of the invisible God. Now, the scriptures should be valued above visions and people's experiences. It is foolishness to value visions and people's experiences above the scriptures. Hallelujah. Therefore, the power of God is what men call weakness or foolishness. But in those things is where we see the power of God made manifest. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Hallelujah. <coughs> Amen. So like we said earlier in James chapter 1, verse 13, where we read, there is the tendency to err when it comes to things written or things you hear. There is a tendency to err. And the things that can lead you astray are found everywhere. Let us continue the, the place we were reading in James chapter 1. Let's continue from verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Alright. So this place gives it to us directly that God has no variableness and he does not have shadow of turning. So that is to say, since it tells us that God is light, he is absolute light, there is no shadow, there is no darkness in him at all. So if you find that there is darkness existing in something, then God cannot be the one because he is light and that he is absolute light. Hallelujah. So let us see also Matthew, Matthew chapter 18 verse 12 and it says, How think ye if a man had, if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them go astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go right into the mountains and seeketh? that which is gone astray talking about God let's see also first Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 first Corinthians 6 verse 9 know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, 
and it goes on and on and on and it says they shall not inherit the kingdom of God so within the scriptures you will find evidences or things that can lead you astray but like I said earlier it will take the Spirit of God or it takes the Spirit of God and a devoted or a faithful Christian to be able to decipher to be able to divide to rightly divide those things that they have read and the things that they have heard to be able to know which is true and which is not let's see Job 42 verse 5 <laughs> I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now my eye seeth thee wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes that was 5 and 6 let's see from the message Bible what it says starting from verse from the same place we have read I admit I once lived by rumors of you now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears I am sorry forgive me I'll never do that again I promise I'll never again live on crust of hearsay crumbs of rumor so if we also see Job chapter 1 verse 20 to 22 Job chapter 3 verse 24 to 26 we find that Job was a really religious man and when we read those verses he said that he feared the Lord but we see that when we from this place we just read that Job was living by rumors of God and also if you read Job chapter 1 where he talks about him making sacrifices because he was afraid that his sons they might have sinned during one of their merrymakings so he decides okay anytime they do a party I'm going to make sacrifice to God before he kills them or something so Job was living religiously or serving God religiously but he was doing this through fear through rumors and through sin consciousness he was really conscious not to sin okay so let us see one of the attributes or one of the characters of god I, I think you by now you might have figured it out already which we found in james chapter 1 verse 13 starting from verse 12 but here one of the attributes of god is that god does not tempt because god knows everything so he doesn't need to tempt or try you that, that was what we saw in James chapter 1, reading from verse 12 to 16. Okay. Let us also see, or let us understand, what God, what is his role in temptation. We already saw in James chapter 1, from verse 12 to 16. In verse 12, it tells us that when someone comes out of temptation, he receives the crown of life from version say he receives a reward so that is God's role in it it doesn't mean God is the one trying or tempting you hallelujah so let's read that place again James chapter 1 starting from verse 12 do not let reading from the message do not let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say God is trying to trick me up God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. 
we have no one to blame but the leering seducing flare-up of our own lust lust gets pregnant and has a baby sin sin grows up to my adulthood and becomes a real killer <coughs> so we see who to blame in this matter it's not god but god's role in temptation is to provide a way of escape from it let's see galatians chapter 4 verse 14 galatians chapter 4 verse 14 And I read, and my temptation, which was in my flesh, yet despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ, as Jesus, as Christ Jesus. Okay. First Timothy chapter six verse nine. First Timothy six verse nine. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 8 and 9 Hebrews 3 verse 8 and 9 Had it not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me proved me and saw my works forty years so across all these places we've read, we've come to see the source of temptation. You see that man tempts, and we've also seen that the devil tempts. Those men who have tempted God, they are unbelievers, they don't have Christ. Those are the men who tempt God. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Second Peter 2 verse 9 <coughs> The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. James 1 verse 12, the place we read earlier and Matthew chapter 4 verse 7 Matthew 4 verse 7 just said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So, if we continue to read a lot of scriptures, you can also read in your own time. First Peter five verse four, second Peter, second Timothy four verse eight, second Thessalonians two verse nineteen. Temptation is for and of man. And the reward, or the or the the reward for overcoming temptation, or the gift, or the prize for overcoming temptation, is also at no point will God be emotional or reaction reactionary about His nature. He is consistently constant. James chapter 1 verse 17 where we read earlier tells us who God is. He says that he, he doesn't have any shadow of turning. Let's read that verse again. 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So God does not vary, God does not turn. Therefore, the error about God will be found in man, and the correction about God will be found in God. Hallelujah. Let's see James chapter 3, verse 15. James 3, verse 15. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Talking about, if we back up a little, verse 14, it says, But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the, the truth. And then it says, This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. In that same James, Let's read, let's go back up a little from verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Verse 14. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, it is earthly, sensual, devilish. 16. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion. And every evil work. Let's also see John chapter 3, verse 3. John 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And go down to verse 31. He that cometh from above is above all, he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from above, from heaven is above all. Hallelujah. So, the correction about God will be found in God, and the error about God will be found in man. You cannot find evil in God or in his actions. So one of the reasons why people easily discredit God is because they don't know God by His Word. Either they know God by the wisdom of men, by the experiences of people, or by, or by the visions of people and by the words of people. They don't know God by His Word. So if your knowledge or revelation of God is faulty, your relationship with God is faulty, and worshipping what or who you don't know, is idolatry so you have to know god to be able to truly worship him so if you if you say you're worshiping god but you don't really know him you think he's tempting you you think he's doing this and that and all those things are evil or produce evil death or destruction and then you say it is god then you are you are in idolatry you are doing idol worship because you don't know god so you cannot know God until you know Jesus. Because like I said earlier, Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. So until you know Jesus, you cannot know God. <coughs> and the light of God reveals and exposes Satan's operations. So we find in the Old Testament, there was a lot of the operations of, of the devil. But it was not exposed because they didn't have the light but we in this time and age we have the light we have the full light then they had 
they had a torch they had a lamp but us we have the real light the revealed light of god we have christ jesus so he exposes and reveals the, the operations of the devil let us see numbers chapter 15 verse 32 numbers 15 32 and we'll read from 32 to 36 Away from 32 to 36 and while the children of israel were in the wilderness they found a man that gathered sticks upon the sabbath day and they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto moses and aaron and unto the congregation and they put him in word because it was not declared what should be done to him and the lord said unto moses the man shall be surely put to death all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp and his congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones and he died as the lord commanded moses so this place when we read it you hear that the lord commanded moses to to tell the children of israel to stone a man so that the man died but let us look at what jesus does remember jesus is the revelation of god the revelation of the invisible god so let us see let us let us see what Christ does. John chapter eight from verse three to eleven. And the Pharisees and scribes brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. Okay, I want you to understand what he says. He said Moses in the law. He didn't say God. Okay, but let's continue. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he had them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which had it being convicted by their own conscience went one by one beginning at the eldest even unto the last and jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst when jesus had lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman he said unto her woman where are those thine accusers have no man condemned thee she said no man lord and jesus said unto her neither do i condemn thee go and sin no more hallelujah so you see in the same in a similar situation this is what jesus does and remember jesus is the one who reveals god to us let's also see genesis chapter 18 verse 20. genesis 18 verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is common to me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from them and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Uh, continue, let's continue at verse 26. You can read that at your own time. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. 
Let's see James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 13 to 18. Verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And I tempted he any man. 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust had conceived, he bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift from above are coming down from the Father of light, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature, of his creatures. Hallelujah. So we see that God has no evil in him, but rather what brings forth death is sin. Lost brings forth sin, sin brings forth death. God does not bring forth death. Okay, so let's see Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Talking about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the manifestation of God in humanity. He is the express image of God, like I, I have been saying earlier, like I said earlier. The same Colossians verse 18, chapter 1 verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Let's see Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Hallelujah. So this is who Jesus is. And therefore, he is the best person qualified to tell us who God really is. From the Amplified Version, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, the sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence, and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe, by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to his predetermined goal. When he himself and no other had by offering himself on the cross of a sacrifice for sin, accomplished purification from sins, and established our freedom from guilt, he sat down, revealing his completed work at the right hand of the majesty on high, revealing his divine authority. Hallelujah. So, we see that we are not a reactionary response or an emotional response of God, but we are begotten of the will of God, as we saw in James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. And we see that God accomplished all this in Christ or through Christ. So, but the man begotten of Adam is evil, 
as we saw in James chapter 1 verse 13 to 15. This is the man without Christ. But the man with Christ has to have God character or has God character. Hallelujah. Because we are begotten after Christ. So, let us see one more attribute of God. So let us see another attribute of God. We have seen the first, uh, we have seen one of them, which is God does not end. Let us see another attribute that is not in God, or another attribute of God, which is long-suffering. So this attribute is not in God, rather long-suffering is in God. Wrath, wrath is not in God. Wrath is not an attribute of God. Let's see First John chapter 1 chapter 3 verse 12 first john chapter 3 verse 12 and it says and not be like cain i'm going to read from you first john chapter 3 verse 12 not as cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother Wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brothers righteous. We see how and why Cain killed his brother, because he was of the wicked one. So anger and vengeance is the first manifestation of sin in the world. We can see that in Cain and Abel. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. This is true. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come. This is Jesus Christ talking. He didn't say from my wrath to come, but from the wrath of God to come. From the wrath to come. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. chapter 3 verse 7 then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized O generation baptized of him O generation of vipers who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come verse 21 uh, Luke chapter 21 verse 23 but woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon these people so if we keep reading there are many places where you find mention of wrath let's see john 3 verse 36 john 3 verse 36 he that believeth on the son had everlasting life and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abided on him. So, I want you to understand that God's wrath, or the wrath of God as mentioned in this place, is the absence of the life of God. Remember I said that he that believeth on him had everlasting life, and he that does not believe the wrath of God is upon him. 
So the wrath of God is the absence of the life of God. So where there is no life of God, the wrath of God exists there. Or putting it in another way, where there is no presence of God, the wrath of God exists in that place. Let's see Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Let's also see Romans 2, verse 5. But after thy hardness and impertinent heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and judgment of the righteous and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So we find, if we continue to read, let's read also verse 8. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. This is what comes to those who obey unrighteousness. Let's also see Romans 4 verse 15. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. So we see that wrath is found in the law. Romans 5 verse 9. Romans 5 verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So we see that God saves us from wrath. And we continue to read, if we read Romans 9.22, Romans 12.19-21, Let's read Ephesians 2, verse 2 and 3. Ephesians 2, verse 3 and 3. Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Okay, so Colossians 3 verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So, like I said earlier, wrath is the absence of God. Wrath is the presence of disobedience, the presence of unrighteousness, and so on and so forth. So God has no wrath, he does not carry wrath and he does not visit anyone with wrath. Rather he delivers us from wrath as we saw in Romans chapter five verse nine. Wrath comes to the nature of sin as we saw in the place we read we were the children of disobedience and therefore the wrath of God comes on children of disobedience or the absence of God brings wrath. Alright. So first Thessalonians two verse sixteen. Let's see that place. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Let's see first Thessalonians chapter five. Verse 
For God had not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's role is to deliver us from wrath because wrath already exists in sin and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that is where wrath is. It exists in sin. So unbelief is the companion of wrath. So anyone who does not believe in Christ, does not believe in the Son, is already existing in wrath. Let's see Hebrews 4 verse 6. Hebrews 4, seeing therefore it remained that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Okay, let's back up a little Hebrews 3. Verse 11. So I swear in my rod they shall not enter into my rest. And if we continue, also Hebrews 4, verse 3, and Hebrews 3, verse 12. Let's read Hebrews 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So there is death in wrath, and God's actions cannot produce death. Else there will be death found in us. And when I say us, I mean the believer in Christ, the new creature. If God or God's action produces death, then he cannot be given life. Rather, there will be death. Alright, so God's actions cannot produce death, else there will be death found in us. The product of his conception, that is the new birth. So the wrath identified with God is found in man's unbelief. If a man does not believe in the salvation of God or in the salvation God has provided in his son, then the absence of salvation, the absence of belief, keeps that man in judgment, in vengeance, in wrath. Therefore, wrath is the absence of the power of God. As we've said earlier and as I've continued to say, let's also see... If we read in your own time, James chapter 1, verse 13 to 20. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 4, let's read Genesis chapter 4. Chapter 4, we read 5 and 6. But unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wrought, and why is thy countenance fallen? So here we see the mention of wrath. This is the fourth mention of wrath, actually. So Cain created, or in other words, Cain began wrath the moment he didn't believe the gospel. So he didn't believe in the gospel, and he bettered forth, or he brought forth wrath. And we saw in Hebrews 11 verse 3 that he was joined with the devil or he belonged with the wicked one. And that was how his actions came about. So vengeance is found or appeared in sin and it is the tool of death. Vengeance is the tool of death. We saw, let's see Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 and 8. If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. 
Verse 8, and Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, against his brother, against Abel his brother, and slew him. Reading 11 and 12, and now at that cause from the earth which had opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee, unto thee her fruit, her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall that be in the earth. So we see that Cain produced rod, and rod, by his rod or by his anger, he killed his brother. So rod produced, or rod is the tool of death. And God cannot have death. God does not have death in him. As we have been studying earlier, he is light and in him there is no shadow of darkness. So, a man produced the first rod which was in sin and also man multiplied it. Let's see John chapter 1 verse 18. John 1 18. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. Hallelujah. So, those people who were saying they saw God, starting from Moses, and some people say, ah, he saw the back, and he had this and he had that. So, this is Jesus Christ talking, and he's saying, No man has seen God. Let's read from the message, the message Bible. Let's also see that uh, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse. This one of a kind God expression, one word, who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. Talking about Jesus. Let's see the same John chapter 5 verse 37 still reading from the message john 5 verse 37 and i'll read you never heard his voice you never saw his appearance Oh, let's back up a little bit. Let's start from 34. But my purpose is not to get your vote and not to appeal to mere human testimony. I'm speaking to you this way so that you will be saved. John was a torch blazing and bright and you were glad enough to dance for an hour or so in his bright light. But the witness that really confirms me far exceeds John's witness. It is the work the Father gave me to complete. This very task, as I go about completing them, confirmed that the Father, in fact, sent me. The Father who sent me confirmed me, and you missed it. You never heard his voice. You never saw his appearance. There is nothing left in your memory of his message, because you do not take his messenger seriously. Let's read the same John, chapter 5, verse 37. Let's read from the KJV. John 5, 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, had borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Okay, so we see, 
who has heard and who has seen the who has seen God? It is Jesus Christ. So, any error. Let, 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 let me put it this way. So, you have heard the prophets, you have heard Moses, you have heard all the prophets. Now, those guys, they had types and shadows. But Jesus Christ, he is the real deal. He's straight from the Father and he's telling you that none of them has heard or seen the Father. So, in other words, these people, they have told you about God. And if you see, all of them, they kept on pointing to Christ. All their messages, all their prophecies, they kept on pointing to Christ. That is to say that Christ was the ultimate message or is the ultimate word. Therefore, anything Christ tells you about God is the real deal, is the real message or is really who God is. So all the others were pointing to him. So whatever they told you about God, if Christ comes and says something that is contradictory, then you should forget about what they said and take what Christ has said. Hallelujah. Why? Because Jesus is the accurate, complete, exact and comprehensive revelation of the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's see John chapter 14, verse 6 to 9. John chapter 14, verse 6 to 9. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Now Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me? Philip, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us? The father so jesus christ reveals the father's nature he reveals the father's character towards man whether the, that man is righteous or unrighteous jesus christ reveals the father's nature and character towards him so when you see jesus he corrects our impression and the revelation concerning god jesus is god speaking for himself jesus is god manifested among men hallelujah amen so the gospel is about god's character towards the sinner that's what the gospel is the gospel points to what god has done not what the sinner has done hallelujah amen and so heavenly father we thank you for your word which has gone forth we thank you that in your word there is liberty, there is freedom, there is truth. We thank you for revealing yourself unto us this day. And we give you glory, honor, and adoration. Receive all glory, Father, even as you have enlightened our minds, even as you have opened our spirit, even as our hearts have received understanding.